0: You don't own
1: me. You're not funny. Me. No way. I'm out. I'm not. Stop yeah.
0: it. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. You don't <laughs> own me. <laughs> don't say I'm I am going to go with other I boys. No. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host, owner-founder of the company called Be There in 5, best known for inventing the Remind Mat, a doormat that sees you on your way out instead of on your way in. With reminders like turn off your curling iron, turn off your straightener, keys, phone, wallet, badge, let out the pets, remember your lunch. I've seen it all. We make custom lists for forgetful people that have a tendency like myself to say be there in five. When they in fact probably just got in the shower and are eternal optimists that think they can genuinely get everywhere on time but tend to forget things when in a full-blown sprint to their destination. I'm also the author of a book called Twinkle, Twinkle, Social Media Star, a fairy tale for the digital age that explores the comedy and explaining the vocation of an influencer to a child as if it's a doctor, firefighter or lawyer. So through, I don't know, 80 some fully rhyming lines, a influencer is explained to the child through the eyes of this mama bear who's showing her. How to behave on social media through the imagined Instagram accounts of nursery rhyme characters like Little Bo Peep, who has a GoFundMe for her lost sheep. Humpty Dumpty has egg falls off wall vlogs. Little Miss Muffet is hawking curds and whey protein, just like the great bachelor cast off she is. And it's all in all a fun, lighthearted children's parody book that's perfect for a baby shower, a coffee table book, or just to support a fledgling podcaster like myself. I suppose today I should add to our list of things to remember keys, phone. While at lunch, is birth control? My God, guys, what is what's what's happening? I really don't ever venture into politics on this podcast. I try to stick to my areas of expertise, um, and I try to constrain to where I feel I can add value. And uh, of course, there's so many issues going on in the world, and it's hard to pay undivided attention to all at a given time, but occasionally some are so alarming and off-putting that I feel uh, a responsibility and I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to my audience to not say anything and I really believe everybody has the right to an opinion and I really believe that most people are products of their upbringings that they recalibrate with their adult experiences sometimes for the better sometimes nothing changes sometimes for the worst I think that Most of us are doing the best we can in terms of growing up, knowing what we've been told is truth and learning as we go and hopefully modifying those truths to match with what we find out for ourselves in the real world and not what other people have told us. And that's why I typically can have civil political discussions. I really try to see other people's side. But what happened last night in Alabama shook me to my core. Not like in the I'm shook way, but like truly. uh, When did when did when did it get to this point where we're facing some real Handmaid's Tale level shit, guys? Like, I for me, take like I think the best way I can neutrally discuss this is even taking abortion in general out of it. The concept of requiring a woman to carry. The child of her abuser, her rapist to term, or an inbred embryo that is so dangerous and suffers from such physical and mental incapacitations that it's illegal. To suggest that a woman should be held accountable to carry those babies to term that are reminders, extenders, and perpetuators of an already extremely traumatic situation that the person is going to deal with their entire life, not only are they carrying the PTSD, not only are they carrying the fear, not only are they carrying the feelings of loss and shame and everything else that comes with being in an abusive situation, they also have to physically carry the children. And it's, it's regressive, it's unconscionable, and it's a violation of human rights. And the fact that one in five women will be raped in their lifetime, the fact that 49.5% of women of color will be sexually assaulted con- in contact form in their lifetime. The fact that one in four children will be sexually assaulted by the time they're 18, and that 28% of those are from 11 to 17, and 12.8% are kids under 10. Can you honestly look your daughter, your niece, your friend, whoever you love in the eye, especially if they're a minor, a minor under 18, and tell me? That an 11 or 12 year old girl should be forced to carry her predator, her predator, or her brother, or her father, or her uncles, or her creepy neighbor, whoever the hell it is, baby? I, I, t- to me, that is like the most unethical, unconscionable, farthest thing from any love based faith that I can imagine, truly. And honestly, I'm sick of the faith argument. Because this country was legitimate if if like you I don't want to g- like get too far into it, but I mean, this country was legitimately founded if if you want to you know herald the principles of the founding father and the basic constitution and all of that are the founding principles of this country are the separation of church and state so I'm recording this at night and talking kind of quietly because if my dog knows I'm in here, he will come and he will bring a squeaky toy, but anyway, I feel like you know. I'm not I have my thoughts about religion and I, I grew up a Christian I still practice and believe in many of the principles and the the faith I was brought up in at least in my household is a Christian driven compassion and that compassion to me entails a firsthand understanding of how circumstances that you haven't experienced shape people's lives of how poverty shapes people's lives of how systematic injustices shape people's lives and acknowledging that there are things I cannot see or understand, but that doesn't mean I should not have compassion for them and I should not work in service to them. And I think what's hard here is that when it comes to combat compassion, we're being selective about our recipients, whether it's a fetus or whether it's an existing life who's in a dire situation. And We fundamentally are just going to have differences about who should be prioritized in that instance. I actually saw an MLK quote earlier that I loved and wrote down, which was that science gives mankind knowledge, which is power. Religion gives mankind wisdom, which is control. The two are not enemies. And I wholeheartedly agree with this. And I feel like at times I'm like, okay, there's no point in me like getting on my soapbox and coming on here and just telling you my opinion Because oftentimes I don't really know what to do outside of you know donating money and time or marching or whatever it may be, but I think part of it whether you feel called or you can support somebody if you're a potential constituent of a woman running for office, we really need educated, scientifically literate, objective, intelligent, dynamic women in office who can prevent the regression of these civil liberties and speak from. Compassion and firsthand experience of being a woman. I mean, I, I cannot believe this was entirely passed by what was it, twenty-seven white men. It's 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 hard for us to have an argument when we're not the ones on the front lines. And I I'm the first to say I don't think I belong there because I'm not rational. <laughs> I will cry at the drop of a hat. I get very angry. I don't know a ton about science, and I'm not a person that's going to pretend I know more than I do. But I know that you don't have to be an expert to try and engage in productive dialogue, to educate those around you of the science behind the issue, to lead with compassion and empathy, to help women and help victims and be an advocate and to support and whether monetarily with your time, with your voice, support candidates at a local level who actually have a chance to affect change. I think I'm clear with Tugboat now. I um, <laughs> This would be a lot more powerful if I didn't have to keep starting and stopping, but um, I keep trying to whisper. Anyway, I, I want to be clear, too. You're 100% entitled to feel whatever way you want about abortion. I cannot be a proponent of free speech and suggest that your speech doesn't matter. It does, and it should, and you're entitled to speak your voice just like I am mine. But this is the art of debate, is when each party... Is a strong argument, and it needs to be figured out. And this is just one argument that I, I can't back down on. I can't stay silent on. But the arguments aren't apples to apples. I'm not arguing that there should be no choice and all children of incest or rape should be aborted. I'm simply arguing for the choice. The very thing the women were not given when they became impregnated. And to be a victim and then further punished by having to carry the baby with half the DNA of your rapist. That if you keep the man has rights to, that there is a chance of him being prevalent in your life. We all know that rape charges aren't nearly anywhere where they need to be. And I feel like a lot of the arguments I'm seeing are, you know, well, I'm a mother. I support adoption. I've never had one. Pro-choice has nothing to do with any of that. You can be pro-choice and a mother. I know, I mean, most of the mothers I know are pro-choice. You can be pro-choice and support adoption. It doesn't mean you love abortions and treat it as your only option. It's simply women getting to choose to do whatever the hell they want with their own bodies. I've never had one and I've never been a mother and I wholeheartedly support adoption. But My question is, in response to this bill, what i'm not seeing and what i don't have a great feel for is what what is Alabama going to do about lowering the cost of adoption? How are they going to provide health and mental health care to women and young girls being forced to carry to term who've been raped, who have to be in contact with their potential abuser? How will your states improve in terms of foster care i mean th- these are the other uh, societal implications of this law that aren't even being addressed. And I guess I just don't understand why, like if you go with the logic of no, no uterus, no opinion, which I tend to skew toward. Thank you, Rachel Green. um, Men are like, you know, half the baby is ours. And we're like, yeah, but half the accountability is yours. So why should you have half the say in what happens with the outcome, but not half the accountability? For the problem at hand we can't magically get pregnant ourselves even just from like watching twitter people are outraged when people suggest well okay if men aren't ready to be fathers why don't they have to get vasectomies like y- you know it's it's not a castration it's reversible why are we constantly having to modify our bodies and pump ourselves with hormones and take pills and do all of these things actually i'm gonna paraphrase a twitter thread i read that was so Well said that if you want to see in full, I do believe I retweeted it's from September. She's basically saying like there are a million other ways men could be stopping abortion, but they're choosing they're they're all routes that inconvenience them and they're choosing not to go. Because if you want to stop abortion, the root cause is unwanted pregnancies. And men are 100 percent responsible for unwanted pregnancies. What this show this person's handle, Gabrielle Blair, at design, her handles at Design Mom, she summarizes by saying, like, it, it, there is always an option for men available, whether it's condom pulling out, they're, they're, you can go to your local 7 around the corner and have a solution. Whereas women are constantly being stripped of their ability to have access to birth control or to have the right to a plan B or to abortions or especially in terms of cases of abuse assault incest etc so why are we the ones on the hook with the accountability the repercussions and the trauma it's it's so easy and preventable on a man's behalf that if they're so concerned with these lives and so concerned with unwanted pregnancies why aren't they stopping them in the first place why are they putting women at risk it's mind-boggling it's to not to kind of Focus on root causes here, and instead to attack the control women have over their bodies, the decisions they're making, and to combat a a crime in which you were a victim, where you didn't make a decision by punishing a woman by revoking any further decisions as it relates to her trauma, to her abuse. The way we treat victims is is truly unbelievable, and it's terrifying, and it's regressive, and. I don't even know like what to do about it or where to start, but I figured as a person with a platform, this is a pretty damn good place to give it a go. So, I'll step off my soapbox. Again, the, the what's really setting me off here is the c- concept of children, minors under eighteen, of people in instances of abuse, of rape, of incest, and just the general factor of I not nobody. An abortion is never the the first choice. It's incredibly difficult for women. Like it's not desirable. It's it's traumatic. It's like it's not like it's a bunch of you know baby murderers versus a bunch of baby saviors. It's an argument of you saying a life is a life at whatever stage you believe, and I'm saying yeah, a life is a life of an existing life, and that life that is here on earth right now. Should have all of the basic human rights of every other life of the other gender, and until there are not comparable rights or at least comparable consequences, I will not rest. At the most basic level, it's it's a personal issue, and it's our bodies, and we should be allowed to be the moral agents of our bodies and our reproduction, and we need to believe women, and believe victims, and believe survivors. And above all else, respect and prioritize their decisions and prioritize them above the outcome of the crimes themselves. If we can't at the very least have the humanity to do that, then I I don't know what our future holds. And even though I had no idea what Goldie Hawn and Bette Midler and Diane Keaton were singing about, when I saw the first Wives Club, I mean, how old was I? Like 10? I wept. I didn't even know what it meant or what had happened to them. But I understood the most simple of phrases. You don't own me. Whether it's somebody owning what you say or what, how you think or your body or your behavior. Never forget the power of deciding what you think for yourself. And I think that when, whenever there's like a major issue going on, I have the ability to kind of push it down and ignore it until it directly affects me. I'm not proud of that, but I think that's how a lot of us operate. We have so much going on. It feels like a lot to take on. But for me, what I've learned is that the second, even if it happens to me, I'm like, eh, I'm okay. But the second it happens to my sister, the second somebody disrespects my mom, the second I fear for my niece's future, the, the second... That some somebody crosses or writes or compromise of somebody close to me. I I I am calm, and if calm means I'll light the house on fire. I there there are no lengths I wouldn't go to to protect a, a, a family member, period. But specifically the women in my family and the women that are my best friends. And I guess my point is when I think about Human rights issues, and I think about women's rights. Whenever I think of it in the context of one of these women out there being my sister, I become incensed. And I think we almost all have to consider ourselves a part of this sisterhood in terms of standing up for ourselves, for our loved ones, for marginalized communities, for women of color, for children, for people that are or aren't in our situations. We have to think about these situations in terms of these being very likely scenarios for all of us but very specifically more statistically likely for certain groups that need the support of those of us who are less at risk and i think that the as time goes on i just am learning the power of community and the power of solidarity and the power of not putting off issues until it's too late because it's too late when they start to directly affect you when they do directly affect you all you can pray for is the support of other people who have been fighting despite not knowing you personally, and fighting despite them never seeing the benefit of the outcome. That's what women did before us to vote. That's what was done with Roe versus Wade. That, that's what's been done throughout history of women who are fighting against way higher barriers than we are right now, only for us to sit back and allow them to be reversed. And that's something that I'm no longer comfortable standing idly by to do. And no, this is not going to become a political podcast. But for today, I just wanted to put in my two cents because I felt it was important to put it out there and we'll go back to pop culture and we will go back to all sorts of mindless and mindful matters. But for today, let's just all be sisters and all let Bet and Goldie and Diane do the talking. And just remember, nobody owns us. Nobody can tell us what to do. Nobody can tell us what to say we're young and we're free whether of heart or of age and all we are asking is to have rightful ownership of what's already ours until next time let me know your thoughts and i will let you know mine i'll be there in five i swear